Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Been a few days, but this is a very, very busy week in sports. I think I said that last episode, uh, but geez, there's a lot to get to. I know, MLB World Series. I, why am I holding Aiden? This is the World Series. Why are you not talking about it? Just, I'm not. I, I want to talk about it as a whole. It's just a huge segment when it's all over. I might get to a next episode, actually. I don't know. But we're not talking about that today, unfortunately. First, we're going to kick things off with the Muhammad Sanu trade and Emmanuel Sanders trade. Okay? Two pretty significant trades. I'm going to uh, get out my thoughts for each team on that. And then I am going to go through every extension that has happened in the NBA lately. Uh, I'm, you know, how we've had, there was like an extension spree. I know NBA opening day, too. I, I, I'm not getting to that. The reason being is it's, it's two games. I know. I know, I'm just like, Aiden, you're ignoring like the biggest stuff right now. But I want to get to this, okay? NBA opening day is... It's good, don't get me wrong. And I, But it's overrated because people overreact. Because they're, they've been waiting. They're so thirsty for NBA content, I guess you could say. NBA, something to happen. That they just overreact on the first two games. They were good games, I'm just... Eh, I'll get to it in a hole, but just, I don't know, I think it's just overrated. Uh, and I know, I know, I'm skiffing so much stuff, I feel guilty. This is a bad explanation, but don't worry, we'll get to it all. Don't worry, just not today. Then, uh, again, every extension that's happened in the NBA, I give out my thoughts on that. And then the Bruins, getting to the Bruins, I want to talk about the Bruins. I wanted to last episode so bad because they had those back-to-back overtime losses, and I want to get my thoughts in there. Now they've played another game recently. I want to get touch-up on the Boston Bruins. So first, we are going to start with the Muhammad Sanu and Emmanuel Sanders trade, so let's get to that. First, I'll start with the first game that, uh, not the first game, the first trade that occurred at least to the Muhammad Sanu trade. Remember, I am a Patriots fan here. Uh, first, I mean, let's just go back. It's clear the Patriots were aiming for Muhammad Sanu. They have for a while. Muhammad Sanu used to play at Rutgers. We all know Phil Belichick loves his record. Rutgers players, the McCourty twins played there, Deron Harmon. Muhammad Sanu was a third-round pick by the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and the Patriots have been trying to trade for him for years. They've all, Bill Belichick's always loved Sanu. Sanu goes to the Bengals, had a pretty long, decent career there. And then he goes to uh, Atlanta. He has gone through some tough times. I mean, this guy blew 20. You know, he's part of the 28-3 with the Falcons. And he's never really been on a great team outside of 28-3. And they really blew it. Mohamed Sanu has been all... He's never been a Pro Bowl type player. He's just been a decent wide receiver. He's been a little over mediocre. And mediocre in a good way. I think he's a good mediocre. He's better than mediocre in my opinion. Uh, but I felt I feel like there's more of a need at offensive line. I know tight end for the Patriots seemed a little better. Monday Night Football, Ben Watson showed you signs that you might have something there at least. I think O-line's their biggest need. They couldn't establish a run game. They have to rely on Tony Michelle to power his way through. And that's not Tony Michelle's kind of a soft runner at this point. And you just don't have very versatile 
uh, very athletic offensive linemen, they've just struggled. They've struggled to get out on linebackers, just stuff like that. And I think, again, now Josh Gordon's out, but here's the thing. Sanu definitely adds, uh, you know, depth. And the good thing about it is they want to, you know, Josh Gordon out, Not that's not a good thing, but Sanu adds wide receiver depth. So, you, you know, with that injury, if you don't trade for Sanu, all of a sudden, Gunnar Olszewski's getting major snap counts. That's I don't want that. Gunnar Olszewski's a special teams guy that can come in for a few pass plays here and there. I'm fine with a few pass plays, but if you're relying on him as a starter to take major snap counts, then forget it. And Muhammad Sanu can't play the role Josh Gordon was. Josh Gordon was an outside-the-numbers, big outside-the-numbers receiver. Muhammad Sanu's a slot receiver. One of the best, actually, yards-wise. I think he's like fourth in the league since 2015 receiving yards as a slot receiver. He's a true slot receiver. Uh, he's a veteran, and he's a guy that they've just really liked. If you ask me would I rather have Emmanuel Sanders or Muhammad Sanu, I'll take Emmanuel Sanders, please, and thank you. And the thing is, the 49ers gave up less for Emmanuel Sanders. But we have to factor in these things. One, contract. Emmanuel Sanders due for like 10 mil this year. Well, Mohamed Sanu's 6 mil. So there's a difference there. I mean, Bill could Bill Belichick could have restructured some contracts to make that work. And Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent this offseason. You get this year and next year with Mohamed Sanu. Also, injury. Mohamed Sanu's a durable guy. Emmanuel Sanders... Not really. Not saying he's injury prone, but he's not exactly durable either. So Sanu's just more reliable. You're gonna get more out of him. But you also had to kind of give up more. I mean, I'll get to the Manuel Sanders trade in a minute. I thought for the Falcons this was a good trade. Yeah, I the people in Atlanta love Muhammad Sanu. They do. From what I've heard, they love Muhammad Sanu. Only good things about him. But the Falcons are now one and six. Their season is over. Mohamed Sanu is 30 years old. Trade him to teams that have interest in this guy, especially the Patriots. You can get a second-round pick out of Mohamed Sanu, even if it's a late second-round pick. In my opinion, Sanu is a third to fourth-round pick. You have a second. My only problem with the trade for the Patriots was you overpaid. I don't mind you getting receiver depth. I mean, I kind of would have liked to get more of an outside-the-numbers receiver with Josh Gordon going down. But I, I think Sanu... Does a, does a trick. I think he's going to fit in really well. My only problem with this trade, again, is you overpaid. If you give him a third-round pick, this trade's great. For the Falcons, this makes a ton of sense. You've got Julio Jones. You've got Calvin Ridley. One, you don't really need Muhammad Sanu. And two, he's 30 years old. Your season's over. If you can flip him for a second-round pick, do it. I know Bill Belichick doesn't usually hit on second-round picks. And usually hits later in the draft. But I'd rather give up a fifth, or not, you wouldn't give a fifth, like a fourth or a third than a second, obviously. Even if Phil does better later in the draft. I don't care. Just, I mean, I didn't, if I were to give the Patriots a grade for the trade, I'd give them like a B. Around a B. B, maybe a B plus. It wasn't bad. But for the Falcons, this was like an A or an A+. They got the most out of Muhammad Sanu. You get a second-round pick out of that guy. But again, it's a seller's market. So I, that's going to happen. Oh, But for the Patriots, it's clear they're kind of going all in. It feels like they, they're they 7-0 right now. They want that 19-0 season. Some people don't want the 19-0 season because they're sick of the talk. I do. Wouldn't it be cool to just have that 19-0 season? Like the Brady-Belichick era is historic. It's the best ever. 
just to add that, you know, you missed out on it in 07 to get it this year. It feels like they're going all in. Again, I'm going to get to this later in a future episode, but could this be Brady's last year? I think there's a greater chance than some people think. This could be another sign. Now, again, maybe they knew Josh Gordon was going to go on the IR, and they said, we need a receiver. So they acted quick and got Muhammad Sanu. Maybe that's all it is. But I think this could also hint to Brady's retirement. They just sat there and said, again, maybe if it were, they'd go after Sanders and said, just say we're going all in this year. But who knows? Uh, but, you know, they overpay. And sometimes overpaying's okay. But they overpay to get Sanu. They're just throwing everything at the wall and saying we're going all in this year. This is it. They're throwing everything. They're using all their ammo. All their ammunition, they're throwing everything at the wall and just going all in. It's now or never. That's kind of what the mentality feels like. Just, I kind of do still. I I don't know. I just, I think this was a decent trade for both sides. Uh, But I feel like the, would I rather do the Emmanuel Sanders trade though? I'll get to it now. <laughs> How about that? Uh, and then the 49ers, the other undefeated team, later in the day, decide we're going to make a move as well. The, the 49ers need a receiver. Is that clear? Their defense is great, especially that D-line. I don't think they have any real worries on defense. They just have to upgrade the offense. Jimmy G has not been that good. People sit there and say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, 49ers are doing good. Jimmy G's been solid. No, he hasn't even been that good. The defense is what's winning them these games. Uh, their running back, running back group, like their running game has been decent. It hasn't been anything great, but they've got Raheem Mostert, they've got Matt Breida, they've got Tevin Coleman, and overall they've kind of ran a Patriot system, been able to develop a decent running game that's kind of carried this offense. But like they scored nine points against the Redskins. The Redskins have an underrated defense, but the Redskins have won one game to the Dolphins. They're they're bad. You need to get Jimmy G a target. George Kittle, yes. Kittle's been a little disappointing this year, but Kittle is still Kittle. Outside of him, they've got Marquise Goodwin, who's just a speedster. He's not really that great. Get him get him Emmanuel Sanders. This is a great trade for the uh, 49ers. They say, we're going to make a move. They do this. They, they Denver is dealing Emmanuel Sanders, Sanders, and if money is going to change for a third and a fourth round pick. So, Denver, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I thought Emmanuel Sanders could go for a second. I thought even a first, potentially a first for Sanders. Boy, was I wrong. Okay. Uh, when I look at this, they basically gave up a third round pick. And it's going to be a late third for Sanders. The 49ers do this. They give up a, basically at this point, a mid to late third round pick. And they trade down 10 spots, in the, 10 to 12 spots in the draft in the middle of the draft for Emmanuel Sanders. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Because when you look at it, I mean, in reality, the fourth round pick is going to be mid to late, and then the Broncos' fifth round pick is going to be early. So they only drop down a few spots in the middle of the draft. No big deal. And then a third round pick? Sign me up if I'm the 49ers. That's a great trade. For the Denver Broncos, doesn't really make a ton of sense. I thought they could have got a little more for Emmanuel Sanders. You trade up a few spots in the middle of the draft, didn't get a third-round pick. Not, you know, I'll take that, but for Emmanuel Sanders, I think he could have got more. I think you could have got more for Emmanuel Sanders. And, I mean, I again, I, I the first-round pick, would I pay a first-round pick for Emmanuel Sanders? Probably not. Especially, you know, 
This guy's a little injury prone. He's only got one year left on his deal. He's a solid receiver, but he's just one year left on his deal. I, a second-round pick sounds reasonable. And, yeah, you're saying Aiden. I mean, a third and a fourth, a second. Well, they also gave him a fifth. The third, the fifth and the fourth basically cancel out. I mean, there's little value. And then the third round pick. So they basically got, a like, I guess the overall value of it is an early third round pick. Mid to early third round pick. I think he got it out a second out of him. Personally, great trade for the 49ers. The Broncos could have done better. Uh, but that's my thoughts on the uh, Mohamed Sanun and the Center trade again for the Patriots. Is this Brady's last year? Are they going all in? Stay tuned for a future post because I'm going to throw out some points. This could be Brady's last year. Okay, this this could be it. Uh, but now we are going to get to uh, all the most recent NBA extensions and my thoughts on all of them. So let's get to that. All right, the first extension we'll be starting out with is the Pascal Siakam extension. The Raptors extended Pascal Siakam to a four-year, $130 million extension. Uh, this is just a solid uh, move by both sides. I think, you know, Siakam, young player, secures himself to a major deal, max contract for the Raptors. This trade, this makes sense as well. Uh, Pascal Siakam is their the centerpiece of the franchise at this point. I know Kyle Lowry is still their best player, in my opinion. But he's, the, you know, he's in his 30s. He's not the future at this point. Pascal Siakam is the future. He is what they are building around in Toronto. It makes sense to secure him now. Secure him on that long-term deal here in Toronto. It's a good move by both sides, in my opinion. Uh, Jalen Brown. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, as a Celtics fan, I'll get to it in a minute. Uh, Four-year, $103 million. I feel like it was a little different than that. Uh, let me look up. I don't know how trustworthy this website is. I know... Um, I know Pascal Siakam's contract. That was Celtics. Um, that was his contract. Excuse me, uh, but let me see. Was this? Uh, yeah, four-year, one hundred fifteen million dollar contract extension. Uh, but he's got four million dollars in likely bonuses, which means he more than eight million dollars uh, in bonuses. But he probably won't get that. Uh, but still, four years, one hundred fifteen mil. That is. 15 mil less than Pascal Siakam's, which means he's getting a, less than 4 mil each year than Pascal Siakam. Okay, Jalen Brown's a nice young player. I'd consider him a top 100 NBA player. Definitely. But he was not that great last year. I, I don't think this is a horror. It's a great move for Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown pounced on this really quick. For the Celtics, they could have done better. I don't think Jalen Brown was to the point where he was like, all right, I'm going to hold out if you guys don't give me an extension. But wouldn't you at least like to see how he plays this year? I know, like, you don't want to wait, like, 10 games, see him play really well, and then he's going to ask for even more money than this. But this, I mean, come on. Like, Jalen Brown's got a lot of potential, but he struggled last year. And then you're going to reward him with this. I don't think this is as bad of a move as a lot of Celtics fans say, but this is still a very risky move by the Celtics because – he wasn't very good last year. He has shown some interest in leaving Boston, which means is he going? If he struggles a little bit and isn't really happy here, he's going to want to leave, and then you're going to have to go to trade him. But his contract diminishes his value. Just a thought. I'm not saying that's going to happen. That's like a really bad scenario, but that, I'm just saying. Uh, but just not. I just don't. I just think it was bad timing. If Jalen Brown was pressuring you, 
to make an extension, like Buddy Heald. I, well, we didn't hear anything about that, and this is Boston. Odds are we would have. This move, again, isn't as bad for the Celtics as some people think, but it's still, you know, eh, still could have been a little better. Uh, Buddy Heald, four-year, $94 million extension, and bonuses could reach up to one hundred. Six, I think, or $108 million. Uh, that's what the bonus is, which is a pretty big amount of, pretty gap, pretty big gap there between 94 mil and 108 mil. But Buddy Healed, I mean, we all like to think he's 24, 25 at most. But he's like 27 already, 26, 27. Unfortunately, he kind of entered the league really late. Uh, but the first, um, Original offer was a four-year, $90 million extension. And reportedly, Heald was seeking 110 mil. What? Uh, okay. People, like, you're taking this as an insult. Four years, 90 mil, and you've never made an all-star game. Listen, I think Buddy Heald deserves a little more than four years, 90 mil. But I wouldn't say it's an insult. Then he goes, all right, four years, 90 mil. How about four years, 94? Four years, 90 mil is an insult, but four years, 94 mil, he'll ink it. That doesn't make any sense. I know the bonuses. I get that. There are uh, 16, uh, $14 million in bonuses sitting on the table that he can potentially get. But that's the key word, potentially. And nobody, he'll probably have confidence in his abilities to get that. But this is the thing. He, he's guaranteed $94 million. The guarantee before was 90 mil. I know $4 million is a lot to us, but to the NBA player, like four years, 90 mil, four years, 94 mil, isn't a huge difference from insult to I'm signing that contract. Oh my goodness. And then it says he's seeking 110 mil. Even if he reaches his bonuses, all of his potential bonuses, he's not getting 110 mil. He still falls $2 million short. And clearly, every million, ma- every cent matters with Buddy Heald because four years, 90 mil is an insult, but four years, 94 mil is enough for him to sign. Maybe he was just like, uh, felt a little pressured. I don't know. Buddy Heald could have done better here because all of a sudden he went out, called that an insult. They give him a slightly better offer and he takes it. I thought this was a solid signing by the Kings for Heald. It could have been better. Uh, Bradley Beal get to this one. I was just contemplating, should we do this? Should we not? Uh, Beal, two-year, $72 million extension. Uh, Solid move by both teams. For the Wizards, I don't know, does this make Buddy Heald's trade value better or worse? I'd say better just because uh, he's locked in longer term, and he's still 26 years old. So I think it makes his trade value better, but clearly the Wizards... Need, they, the Wizards need to trade Bradley Beal, but they won't. Because here's what the Wizards are saying. A lot of people are like, why won't the Wizards trade Bradley Beal? Look at, for, look at it from their perspective. One, Bradley Beal's a talent. It's very hard to get your hands on, especially for Washington. Washington's not a hot free agency destination. They haven't been able to draft well. They're kind of sitting, and they don't have the assets to just go out and trade for that guy. So they're like, oh, Bradley Beal. And he actually wants to be there. So they're just like, oh my gosh, a star that wants to be here. So they're just kind of like, oh, well, you know, it makes sense. But no, we don't want to. Like, this is something special. Like, there's a star that wants to be here that we have. And you have to factor this in. Without Bradley Beal, is anyone going to go to Wizards game? I know with Bradley Beal, I doubt they sell out many to any games. But 
Bradley Beal is a big reason why so many without Bradley Beal, they are not the ticket uh, prices are gonna have to drop. They're gonna be less tickets being sold. With no Bradley Beal, that there's no real point in watching the Wizards. I mean, that's the most that's the biggest reason why fans go to see them. So I think this was a decent move by both sides. Uh, Bradley Beal after this will be eligible for a like huge contract, but by the time his contract's up, it'll be like 29 years old. So I'm not sure if he's going to get that huge contract. Then again, Damian Lillard's around 30 years old, uh, and he got the super max. So maybe the same thing will happen to Bradley Beal. I don't know. Uh, DeMontis Simonis, this is a great move for the Pacers. Uh, DeMontis Simonis signs a four-year, $77 million extension that can reach up to 85 mil in bonuses. Great move by the Indiana Pacers. Okay, this is a fantastic move. DeMontis Simonis is a great Amazing young player, incredible! Oh my gosh, but he's a very—he's already a top hundred NBA player. I'd even say a top seventy-five NBA player. He's still very young. He's a big man who's mostly a stretch big. He can do a little bit of damage on the post, but he's mostly a stretch big. He's got some playmaking ability. He's a very nice young player, and nineteen million dollars is a lot of money, but. For Demontis Bonus, it is definitely worth it, especially at his age. For Demontis Bonus, not. Uh, well done. The Pacers were shopping DeMontis Sabonis after they couldn't get a deal done. Then Sabonis was probably just like, Sabonis was like, all right, they can trade me if they want to trade me. Then he kind of sat there and was just like, oh, I kind of like it here in Indiana. I don't want to move, especially right before the season starts. I'll take what's in front of me. I feel like he was pressured. And that's what happens. A lot of pressure. Sometimes it's on the players. Sometimes it's on the GM. Uh, when it comes, you know, they kind of all of a sudden say what they want to say. And then all of a sudden the reality kind of hits them. And they just kind of get pressured into signing a bad deal. Whether that's the general manager, the front office, or the player. That just happens. Uh, and I feel like Sabonis was kind of the one pressured in here. Uh, but it, it, was, it was just a bad week of negotiating for him. I think the Pacers just signed a great, great contract uh, with DeMarcus Sabonis. Uh, DeJounte Murray, a four-year, $64 million extension. Uh, that ACL injury definitely hurts his value a little bit, but Murray is an all-world defender. I mean, this guy was 21, and he was all-defensive first team. This guy is so good at defense. I think for the Spurs, this is a pretty good signing, 21 mil a year. I think it's worth it. Jonathan Murray's a great defender. He has room to evolve offensively. He's probably not number one than an average offensive player, but that defense is worth it. He's an amazing, incredible defender. And... Um, I think it's worth it. Even though he had that ACL injury, he's and he's very he relies on his athleticism. They clearly they've seen him rehabbing. They've seen him at practice. They know he. I think he'll be just fine. He's a young player. I think Dejounte Murray could have got a little more money though for him. Now he's locked into a deal till his prime. I mean that's good because then his prime, you know, he can get that contract. So I guess he set the timeline up well. But I think if I'm Dejounte Murray, I'm asking for at least seven email. I know he's a young player and he missed all the last season, but if I'm asking, I'm asking for like 68 to 72 mil at least. Personally, I think DeJounte Murray's worth a little more. Uh, Torian Prince signs a two-year $29 million extension with the Brooklyn Nets. Just, just tra- He hasn't even played a game with the Nets yet. I know most of you were probably listening tomorrow. Yeah, he just played in that the game with the Nets. The, this is before their game versus the Timberwolves, okay? Uh, and they're already uh, secure. He's a decent young player. I think this is like an average signing for both teams. Prince, I think around 14.5 mils fair a year for Tory and Prince. And I think this is a fair signing by the Brooklyn Nets. Tory and Prince is a nice youngish player. I like Tory and Prince. I think this is just a 
No one got robbed here. No one got the shorter end. I feel like this is just a decent signing for both Tory and Prince and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and then our last one, the Joe Ingles extension. Uh, one year, $14 million extension. I think this is just fair by both sides also. I take this could potentially, like, think about this. I think this is potentially just a little too much for Joe Ingles, but I'd say 14 mil is right around the ballpark of what he's worth. He's worth up to 14.5 mil, probably, in my opinion, and at least 12 mil. So, yeah, that's in ballpark. I just think this is a fair... For Ingles, this is a solid signing. I think Ingles got the better end of this, but for the Jazz, it's not really a bad move either. Uh, but that is uh, me getting to every NBA extension that has happened up and since the Bradley Beal extension. Uh, you guys can call in again, Anchor Mobile app. Anything is on the table. You can call in using the Anchor Mobile app. Call in with the take, anything you disagree with. Anything is on the table, not just these extensions. Uh, but, oh, short episode today. I just realized that. But anyway, now we are going to get to the Boston Bruins. So let's get to that. Bruins. The good old Bruins. All right. They've been good so far. They have. I don't know when the last time we've left off on them were, but... I want to get to these last three games. You had the Lightning, and then you had the Maple Leafs twice. And you went 1-0-2. You got four points in a tough three-game stretch. Uh, I just want to point out the standing so far in your conference. The Sabres are in first place with 17 points. Sabres came out of nowhere. I like the Sabres roster a little more than most people. I watched Jack Eichel when he was in college. I, I went to some of the BU games. I've actually... Believe it or not, you know, mostly you look at me as a, you know, I talk mostly about NBA or, uh, and NFL. This doesn't mean I don't talk about other sports. That means the two, that seems to be the two most I talk about. I have been to more hockey games, like college-wise. I've been to a ton of college hockey games. I've been to a few NHL games as well. Way more hockey games than any other sport. I've been to a few Red Sox games. I've never been to a Celtics game. I've been to a few college uh, basketball games. I've never been to a college football or NFL game ever. Been to a ton of any uh, hockey games. Uh, if you add up college and NHL, it's been probably in the close to the double digits or over ten. It's been around nine, nine or more, at least. I've been to a lot of hockey games. Uh, but I used to watch Jack Eichel. I like Jack Eichel a lot. Sabers have been good this year. Then you you're in second place, fourteen points. You get the Maple Leafs in twelve. All right, where are the Lightning? They're coming up. Panthers in a uh. Fourth, 11 points. Canadians in fifth with 10 points. They're, they've been what ex- what's been expected. The Bruins have been good. Maple, the Bruins and Maple Leafs have been what's been expected. The Sabres have been a big surprise. The Panthers and Ma- Canadians have been what's expected. The Lightning have been a huge disappointment. They're 4-3-1 and one with only nine points. I mean, they're not out of it. Obviously, they're not out of it. I mean, one win, they can go all the way at the fourth place. They in a, All of a sudden, a few games, they can be in second, you know, third, second place. It's, it's so close. They haven't been horrendous, but for the Lightning, they've been disappointing. And then your two givens in last place were the Red Wings with six points, centers with three. Everyone knew they were going to be bad. But, you know, in your division, everyone's been what's expected, except the Lightning have been disappointing and the Sabres have been really good, which I guess for you is good. If you're, you know, from the Bruins' perspective, this is good. The Lightning haven't been very good. I don't think they'll still miss the playoffs. I mean, I'm not ready to count the Lightning out. They've struggled, but it's very early. Uh, but my thing with the Bruins right now, the goaltending's been solid from Duka Rask. 
and all that. But my pro in the defense too, it's been up and bad. But you lost those two overtime games in a row, which is a little frustrating. Mostly offensively, the perfection line is carrying. Power play is carrying. That's that's where you're getting all your points from the power play. And wait, when you're on the man advantage or you have the perfection line out there. The perfection line. Oh, I don't like that name. But you know what I'm talking about. Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak. That's all it is. It's always, oh, you get an alert. Bruins scored. Uh, Marchand to Pasternak. Uh, Bergeron to Pasternak. Bergeron to Marchand. That's all it is. No one else scores. This line is great, but nobody else scores. And five-on-five five hockey is bad. That's why they lost to the Blues. The refs went out there, didn't make a whole lot of calls. They, they only had the missed call in game five, which I'm still mad about. I I, I, I don't get too mad at the refs, but that could have cost you a Stanley Cup. But the refs let the boys play in the Stanley Cup, and that's why he lost, because the Blues were better five-on-five five than you were. This is not a very good five-on-five five hockey team, and outside the first line, they're not good. For I mean, you know, guys like Brett Ritchie have stepped up. Richie hasn't been incredible, but he was on the Stars. He's 26 years old. They picked him up. This is a guy who last year played 53 games and scored a total of six points. So far this season, he's got two goals in this. Plus minus a plus one. He gives you about 11 minutes of ice time each night. He hasn't been bad. I think he stepped up. He's been, uh, he was quiet, but he came back to life at the goal last night. He was very good at the start. He's cooled down, though. But still, that was a good addition. But... Still, two goals from Brett Ritchie isn't enough. And he hasn't been known for producing points over his career. Sorry for that shaking. But you just need more. You need better five-on-five team, and you need better depth offensively. Outside of that first line, the perfection line, you have got nothing. Nothing. We need to make a move, in my opinion. I don't know about right now. You're on a roll right now. I wouldn't say a roll, but... You're six one and two. You're ten games in. Not even. Not even. you're nine games in. You've got fourteen points. You've got off to a decent start. Keep it rolling. But what I'm saying, trade deadline. I want to see depth offensively. Your blue line is not that bad. You're defensively you're not bad. Tuka Rask has uh Tuka Rask has been great. Overall, the goaltending has been great. Honestly, they've let up twenty goals. But that's the least in your division. The only problem is you've scored the third least points in your division, only ahead of the Red Wings and Senators who are tanking. Because the first line can't do all the work. That's what it is. David Bostonok probably has half your goals right now. I don't know what his exact amount is, but it's close to half. It might even be over half. He had that five-goal game against the Ducks. I remember watching that. That was... He has 10 goals right now. Pasternak has 10 goals in 9 games. Pasternak has 10 of your 26 goals. 10 of your 26 goals. Not to mention, I want to see how many Marchand has. Brad Marchand, let's just do, we're doing quick math here. Pasternak has 10 goals. Marchand has 5, which is 15. We haven't even added Patrice Bergeron, who hasn't scored much this year. But I just want to see. He scored two. 17 of your 26 goals have come from the perfection line. In nine games, you've got nine goals from every other line. 
And the first goal, sh- the first line should be giving you most of your goals, but they shouldn't give you eighty percent of them. The, the first line's great, but I feel like we need more production. I don't feel like I know we need more production. Listen again. The defense has been very good. The goaltending has been very good. The first line has been very good. Our power play has been very good. But outside of the first line, where is the production? Outside of our power play, we don't have a lot of production five on five. We are not a very good five on five team. We need depth. We need some guys who can put the puck in the net, be a playmaker that can play in your second or third line. I don't care about the fourth line. The fourth line was good last year. The fourth line is there to take scrap minutes, to play scrap hockey. The fourth line isn't meant to score goals. The the fourth line will give you a good game every once in a while. You don't rely on the fourth line to give you goals. You just expect to go out of them every once in a while. The third and the second line is mainly what I'm talking about here. The fourth line, it should be the second and the third line. They give you absolutely barely any production. That's where they need to step up. Sorry. I'm, I, I'm not sorry, actually. You should... The Bruins should be sorry. I, I know. I shouldn't be complaining because we've had a good season so far. I don't know. You know, right now, 14 points. We're third in the East. Behind the Sabres. They've been good, to be fair. And the Capitals. We've had a good season so far. I'm not denying that. It's only nine games in. I'm not saying make a move right now because you've had a good season. We're only nine games in. But I saw this last year. I'm not overreacting to the first nine games. Because this happened last year. We weren't a very good five-on-five team. But at least last year, though, we got more production out of the lines outside the first line. I mean, we made it to the Stanley Cup, and our first line was absolutely putrid. That first line was putrid in the playoffs. You got outplayed, though. When the first line got outplayed, that's when you were in trouble. But other lines stepped up. Is that what's going to happen again this year? So far, signs tell me no. Signs tell me right now those lines aren't going to step up. I feel like they're just slacking off, you know, laughing on the bench, watching that first line just absolutely carry them. It's time they get called out for it. I mean, maybe some of you have called them out on it, but they need to step it up. They can't be all the perfection. I can't call them the the first line. I'm not calling them the perfection line. I hate that because guess what? You're not perfect. You guys sucked in the playoffs last year. You guys were putrid in the playoffs. You're not the perfection line. You've been good this year, but to be a perfection line, you have to show up in the playoffs. You can't be the perfection line in the regular season. That doesn't count. You got to show up in the playoffs as well. They don't. Or they haven't at least. They didn't last year. Th- those other lines need to step up. You need to become a better 5-5 five and five hockey team. You need more production outside of that first line. That is all I'm going to say. Thank you guys for listening. Go follow my Instagram at AfterTheBuzzerSportsTalk. All overcase. No spaces. Again, that's at AfterTheBuzzerSportsTalk. All overcase. No spaces. For podcast updates and cool sports content. And then go call in on the Anchor Mobile app. Any takes, any questions you have, anything you disagree with me on. Again, Anchor Mobile app. You can go download that on the App Store or Google Play. Uh, download the app, go in and type in after the Brother Sports Talk, send a voice message. If you can't get the app or don't want to get it, just go on Safari or Google or whatever you have. Type in uh, after the Brother Sports Talk by Aiden Mayer. The link should pop up. You can send in a voice message that way. So thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time.